What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 170 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. You heard that right, episode 170, man, the big 170. Appreciate the continued support. Thank you to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. You are greatly appreciated. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Today's show, Dan Frill, co-founder of the TBT Basketball Tournament, joins in. You might be familiar with the TBT from its games on ESPN. TBT will take place under quarantine in Columbus, Ohio this summer. This summer's tournament will be a $1 million winner take all. Stay tuned to learn more about the TBT. Had a great conversation with Dan. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Learn more about the tournament at thetournament.com. That's www-t-h-e-t-o-u-r-n-a-m-e-n-t.com. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. founder of the TBT $2 million tournament. How are you feeling today, man? It's been a while since we spoke. It has been. Yeah, I'm feeling great. Doing great. So I'm familiar with the TBT. I'm sure some of my listenership is familiar as well. But for those that aren't familiar with it, can you tell us what it's all about and how it got started? Sure. TBT is basically a March Madness style single elimination tournament for professionals that airs on ESPN in the summer. It's a winner takes all event for a multi-million dollar prize. Uh, we've been around since 2014, and uh, we started off in, in one location with 32 teams. It's grown over the years. Um, obviously, we're making some adjustments this year in 2020 because of the pandemic, but uh, we're going forward. And we're going to play some basketball this July. Sounds great, Dan. You know, it was so interesting when you started it because I think there was a lot. I don't know if you know this, but amongst the players, there was a lot of confusion. You know, it's like, wow, you don't have to put up any money and you can win 500000 Is this real? You know, right. can you speak to the business model of TBT and, and speak to all that confusion, even though that's years ago? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, certainly when we started, we had a lot of patient uh, investors. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, that was really the, the key thing uh, in terms of getting the thing off the ground. But in the long term, you know, our revenue streams are the same as they would be for any of the you know, professional sports leagues or events that you would have out there. You have uh, hopefully in the long term television rights, you have sponsorship revenue, merchandise sales and ticket sales. And so that last one for us actually was, the, was a real breakthrough last year on the ticket sales. We were able to play in front of thousands of fans all around the country and came up with a really great model uh, to proceed with that. And hopefully we'll be back on that horse in 2021. You are proceeding with the TBT. If somebody is of the mindset that expansion will dilute the league, I think you guys are going the opposite way. It'll actually make the competition stronger, which it was getting better and better every year anyway. Yeah, it's amazing the the pool of players that are out there specifically in basketball really exceeds the demand that you have to play in the NBA. So that's why I think when you look around literally every single world league around the world, even down into the third and fourth divisions um, in the international leagues, you're seeing Americans on every single roster. And so what that tell, told us when we started investigating this and kind of researching 
the feasibility of doing it, you know, back in 2010, 2011, was that the supply is far greater uh, than you would expect when it comes to really high quality basketball players that are capable of playing at a professional level. Yeah, it's crazy because the competition level, and it wasn't even bad the first year, it was very good, especially the top teams got better and better every year, like substantially better. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think now what you're seeing is, you know, you're seeing guys that compete at the EuroLeague level, which I think most basketball observers would say is probably the second best league in, in level with the, in the world. Um, you're seeing guys that compete on the best of those teams, the best players from those teams now playing in TBT. And that's an incredible statement and a testament to them about what they like about coming back and doing this every summer. And on top of that, you know, some of the D-League guys that have played, um, I don't want to talk too much about salary, but I think some of them have probably made more money in your tournament. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, I, know we, I know we know it's one team in particular over yeah. the league, but I'm sure they've made just as much money in your tournament that they had, than they have over their career. Maybe not for the EuroLeague guys, but some of the guys that spend more time in the D-League. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the G-League, you know, as it exists, is, is not really um, – a career path in the sense that you're not going to play in the G league and expect to get wealthy. I think what most of those guys are doing is hoping for a couple of 10 day contracts or maybe flip that into a, um, you know, a two way deal or something like that. And the money for that actually is comparable with what they really get overseas. But when you're playing a full season in the, in the D league or now the G league, um, as it's called, you can actually win significantly more money playing in TBT for six wins than you would for playing a whole season in the G league, which is really amazing to see. How closely do you believe the, um, NBA and high-level European clubs are paying attention to your tournament? I think they definitely are watching it. You know, we, we see every year that there are guys that move up a level in terms of which club that they're playing for overseas. We get emails, and I get a lot of communication from people looking for game tape. Um, high-level agents are trying to place te- uh, players on specific teams so that can showcase their skill set for those types of scouts. Um, in terms of whether the NBA is paying attention, I think they, they certainly do watch. You know, we know that both from a playing perspective as well as from the league office. Um, it really was uh, kind of eye-opening to us when they adopted the Elam ending for the uh, All-Star game this year, you know, which is something that we've been utilizing since 2017. And so when they went to that untimed ending for the All-Star game, you know, that really was to us a complete affirmation of what we had long thought was that they do actually watch these games and they do pay attention. And to their credit, um, you know, I think the folks at the NBA front office, as well as, you know, other aspects of the league, they definitely have their eyes open and are paying attention to basketball at all levels. And I think that's really a kind of a, a gratifying and neat thing to see for sure. For sure, Dan, I've actually had Dr. Elam on my show. Um, how do you feel that the Elam ending will be implemented this season? Will it be the same format? Yeah. We, we, so last year, what we did is we basically adjusted uh, the total number of points towards the target score to eight. You know, we'll stick with that again this year. We'll make a minor tweak. Um, to uh, the nature in which uh, foul shots are awarded during the Elam ending untimed portion so that an off-the-ball foul doesn't automatically result in two shots. Um, but uh, it's going to, I think, um, you know, again, be on the forefront of everything that we're doing this summer. It's a major part of what we uh, think st- makes the brand stand out and makes the tournament stand out is that every game that we play uh, ends on a made basket. Dan, how do teams get in these days? I mean, I remember, you know, back in the first one, it was it – was, uh getting a bunch of, you know, voters and emails together. Uh, How does that work now? So we've kind of um, adopted a more, uh, I guess you would say, art-based selection criteria rather than science-based selection criteria. What we're really looking for are three things in teams. Uh, We want to see teams that have a a reliable fan base and a fan base that people want to see, a fan base that wants to see this team play. So I think that's the first criteria. Um, The second one is the reliability of the team. 
And whether they're a team that we know we can count on, they're going to show up with all their guys. They're not going to flake out, et cetera. And then the third one, obviously, is the quality of the team. Um, so we look for those three criteria. On that first one with the fan base, it's really kind of a, an evaluation that we make as a group. And as a whole, we monitor a lot of social media activity. We kind of see what the, um, the response is to teams when they launch. And then even beyond that, what we're actually kind of paying attention to is our own belief about how people are going to respond to a team if they see them playing on TV. So it's a little bit, like I said, more art than science, but we, we've had a pretty good track record of picking these teams over the last few years. Do you think it'll ever get to a point where NBA players will be involved or even playing? Well, they're involved already because uh, some of them coach teams, but uh, playing in the TBT? Yeah, it just depends on how the collective bargaining agreement um, goes forward and some of the stuff that we're able to do with the NBA. You know, certainly we'd love to be in a position where we can get sanctioned by the league um, and permit NBA players to play, but that's... Um, as it's written right now, might be a little bit of a challenge, but we'll have to see. I mean, I, I would personally love to see it. I mean, when we conceived of the idea a long time ago, it was a $50 million prize, and the idea was who would, who would play. Like, if you were offering up $50 million for one game, would LeBron James show up for that game? And <laughs> right, right. I feel, like, I feel like he'd figure out a way to do it, you know? Yeah, and, and so, I, think, I think some of those guys would probably even pass a lot of that to charity, you know? If you oh, got a guy like LeBron. Would. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it, would be, it would be awesome to see it. And one of the things that we learned pretty quickly in TBT is that the basketball world is so small. And all of these guys that play in TBT are one degree of separation away from guys like LeBron James or Chris Paul sure. or James Harden. And all those guys are watching it now. And so I know that, you know, those guys are all competitors. They're clearly at the level that they're at because they love basketball. And if they love basketball and they love competing at a high level, and playing in games that matter, which I know that they do, you know, I'm sure that they're kind of chomping at the bit uh, to have an opportunity at some point in the future, maybe to see it happen. Yeah, I know we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but maybe it would be cool to like, even if it was like a two NBA player limit, kind of like how they do it overseas in some leagues with, um, you know, American players. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, it would be great. It would be great. I'd also be curious to see, you know, how some of these NBA guys would, would respond to being asked to play with their alumni teams for these college alumni teams that we have. And um, you know, like last summer, Evan Turner, for example, was at every single game for the Ohio State alumni team when they won. And right. I could t you could kind of see it. The competitor in him wanted to be out there because they play together all summer. That's the thing that's become really apparent is like, especially for some of these college teams, you know, they'll go back to their college campus and they're playing in the same gym that they practiced in, um, you know, for four years together. And the only difference now is the league that they're playing in. You know, some guys are playing in Israel, some guys are in Italy, other guys are in the NBA, but they're still all the same friends. And so that's the part that I think would be the most compelling if an NBA guy would ever decide that, you know, they want to see it, see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot to win it. I mean, you need high level talent and you definitely need chemistry as well. It's, it's, it's kind of a tough mix to get prepared for. That's why I think those college teams do so well, even though overseas elite has have won most of them. Yeah, overseas elites won four. They won four times in a row, and then last Crazy. year in their in their fifth entry, they actually made the semifinals and lost to Ohio State, who ended up winning the whole thing. So, it's it's I, I think overseas elite is like one of the best stories in sports that people haven't really uh, latched onto. They won twenty nine straight games in a single elimination event, I, not against like Joe's. It's against like actual professional basketball players, and it just is incredible. And that's a group of guys that had never played together before they entered TBT. So it's not like um, every single guy had gone through the same program or they understood exactly how each other plays. Um, but they built a chemistry up over the years. And now, you know, that's just an incredible group of professional basketball players. What happened with uh, Kyle Fogg and McCollum? Like, why wouldn't they return? So last summer, um, 
I, I don't know if it was an injury concern or if it was more of a timing issue, but McCollum and Fogg weren't able to make it back. I know this summer, uh, Eric actually got married. That's what happened last summer. Oh, okay. Okay. So Eric got married and I think Kyle might've had a contractual issue. Um, I'm curious to see what happens this summer. Eric's wife's now is having a baby in late July. So I don't know if he's going to make it. And Kyle, I think would be there, but for the fact that he's in China, kind of waiting to see what happens with the Chinese basketball association and the resumption of their season. So we'll have to see if those guys end up coming back or not. Well, Dan, I have a baby now, and I would say that's more of a reason to play in the CBD. <laughs> I would think so, too. You know, college is, not, college is not cheap, and not everybody can count on a scholarship. So I think, you, I think I'd agree with you, Andrew. <laughs> right. Um, obviously, the Elam ending was a great experiment. Is there any experiments that you, Dan, would like to see in the future of the TBT? Um, you know, I always have these quirky ideas, mainly because I look at basketball almost purely from a fan standpoint. You know, I never really played it at a high level, but I've always kind of paid attention. But you did play baseball at a high level. I did. I did. Yes, yeah, I was a yes. baseball player, but not basketball. So right. for me, I always, I don't look at the game necessarily from a um, traditionalist standpoint. And so there are things that they do in other sports that I find fascinating. And I don't know that we'll ever be able to do them. But one of the things I love is in soccer how when a guy fouls out, basically, you know, the, gets a, a red card or gets a double yellow, uh, the team has to play a man down for the remainder of the match. And yeah. so for me, I, it, almost, it almost makes me wonder, you know, is that something that you can implement? Another aspect from soccer that I kind of love is you get a limited number of substitutions. And when you have those substitutions, that's the only substitution you can make. You, you, there's no shifting. You, don't, you can't take a guy out and then bring him back in in soccer. And so that I was thinking about that over the winter. I was like, man, would that be crazy if you only could if you could only play eight guys in a game and you only had three subs, what what would be the effect of that be? So those are the kind of things that my mind goes to. I don't know that um, you know, everybody at TBT agrees with those things or would ever want to do them, but I'm fascinated by just what how these various sports have developed because what I've kind of realized over time is that all of the rules are arbitrary. You know, the yes. bases in, in baseball are 90 feet just because that's what the way it was laid out by, you know, if you believe the origin story of baseball, Abner Doubleday back in the 1800s, uh, it was just arbitrary that it was 90 feet. The baskets are 10 feet high in basketball because that's just the way somebody chose to do it. So there's nothing to me that is so sacrosanct that you can't adjust uh, the rules a little bit and, and try to tweak it and make it better. Forward thinking. I love it. That's interesting because I've seen teams actually play four on five and, and at times it's funny because the team with five struggles because they're not used yes. to it. Well, we had a game. So we had a game our first year. John, year wait, Selby, right? Selby. Was yeah. Playing. So yeah. Josh Selby's team, um, the guy got lost. I don't know what happened, but he was driving from Baltimore to Philly and he got lost somehow and he ended up at the wrong gym. And so Selby had to start the game and played the game with four guys. And so they played sideline cancer that first year. Sideline cancer had, you know, a full roster, eight or nine guys, whatever. And Selby's team only had four for the whole game. And they hung in there the whole time. Selby scored like 47, 49 points, something like that. But they actually played the game pretty close most of the time. And they, they just basically packed in a zone and forced them to shoot outside. And um, it was a lot closer than I would have thought. So it just that, that to me is always stuck in my head. Uh, you know, the other thing is obviously I, I grew up playing hockey and watching hockey. And I know that in, in penalty situations in hockey, you go a man down. Sometimes you go two man down. Um, so, you know, these things are not uncommon in sports, but in basketball, it's never been something that people have tried. Dan, um, I know there's a lot of talk about the NBA when it returns to get players mic'd up. Can we see that happening since, well, will there be a crowd this season? I'm sure. Well, no, right? no, right now we're planning on there not being a crowd. There certainly is a scenario in which that could happen, but that'll be like a last minute call, um, depending upon the, the location that we end up uh, playing in.
So the mic, the mic would be a last minute call or the fans? No, the mic'd up. I, we would love okay. to do that. Yeah, okay. we've actually, we, so I think in 2015, I think it was 2015, we streamed all of the regional games on Facebook and we mic'd up players, coaches and everything and we just let it run. And so there was no censoring, there was no three second delay and the feedback that we got from that was incredible. Um, whether ESPN would ever permit something like that, I, I would doubt just because of the language sometimes that happens in a high level right. athletic con- contest, but it was, fa- it was awesome to see and to, and to listen to and to see the reactions for it. But yeah, miking up, miking up and getting better audio and all those things are certainly stuff that I think leagues are going to have to do, uh, in order to really make the game presentation, um, as compelling as possible. Dan, what precautions will be, uh, taken this summer? Yeah, we're going to actually have a pretty strict uh, protocol. The teams are going to follow. We're going to test every individual uh, before they leave to come to the location. Wow. Uh, they're going to be tested upon arrival. Um, they'll be p- and placed into a period of a four-day quarantine, which uh, most of the experts that we're talking to indicate that it's about a four-day period between exposure and a positive test. Everyone's going to then be tested a third time, and then they'll be cleared to play. A positive test for any of the individuals is going to result in removal of the team, which is a step that we're taking that, I, as far as I can tell, nobody else is willing to take. But from an epidemiological standpoint, it really is the safest way to proceed with the event. Um, it's also going to happen under a quarantine. So basically, um, if you've ever watched that show, Big Brother on CBS, right. um, once you're in the house, you're in the house. If you leave the house, which you certainly can do, um, you're removed from the contest. So it's going to be an interesting, an interesting summer for sure. But it's, it's one that, a situation that we find ourselves in that we have to unfortunately follow through with. I heard you throw out the word $50 million earlier. What's the big goal, like, let's say 10 years from now? Is that what it is, $50 million in NBA guys playing? And what else? Would well, you certainly the goal? idea was 50 to begin with. But I think the, the goal in the long term is just to have this be a sustainable event that's, a, that's around every summer that people look forward to and that far outlasts any involvement that I'm going to have in it um, into the future. You know, I'd love it. I've got a, a one-year-old son. I'd love it if he's 50 years old and he's filling out a bracket with his buddies uh, for TBT 50 years in the future. That would be a really amazing result. So right now we're just trying to keep this uh, event going. You know, we've had really great success over the first uh, seven years that we're doing it and hopefully the next seven are even better. Dan, you're, uh, you're always welcome back on the show. Thanks for being here and uh, let us know where they could find the more information on the tournament and yourself on social media and everywhere else. Absolutely. Uh, TPT is at, is um, on the website is www.thetournament.com. Uh, on Instagram, we're the.tournament. On Twitter, we're at the tournament. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. And all these games are going to be on the ESPN Family and Networks this summer. So be sure to tune in when we're on TV. Dan, I'm looking forward to it. I uh, really appreciate you taking your time. Talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Andrew. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Combo's Court. And big shouts to Dan for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, let me know how you feel about this episode right in the comments section of your Apple podcast app rate and review wherever you listen to combos court and take a screenshot of this episode post it on your ig stories tag me at one two combo that's o-n-e-t-w-o-c-o-m-b-o i'll repost it be on the lookout for episode 171 combo out